This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 20th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, I've got a great conversation coming up today with Tom Gordon, co-founder and CEO at Slim Chickens. Now, you all know that talking chicken has always been one of my favorite franchising topics, with Wings, of course, taking the number one spot. But talking tenders is okay fine as well. And who better than Tom Gordon for that conversation? Just ahead of Tom, though, a little more info regarding something I shared last time we were together. This regarding... Brooklyn Robot Foundry and their amazing Frandowment competition. That's right. Brooklyn Robot Foundry has been enriching the lives of kids between the ages of 2 and 13, going on 12 years, helping them learn how to focus their minds and use their hands to build robots. These fun, creative, educational classes, parties, and camps all teach and inspire kids to have fun and live lives full of exploration, problem-solving, and imagination by utilizing the Foundry's signature building methods. When parents enroll them, these kids not only get to build cool robots, but this engaging, hands-on learning also helps them socialize and increase confidence. And best of all, kids just flat-out love doing it. So, what is the Frandowment competition? Well, Brooklyn Robot Foundry has just launched their franchising program and plans to bring this amazing concept to kids nationwide. To celebrate the launch, they're going to award a fee-free franchise to one deserving person in the tri-state area of New York, breaking down the financial barriers of entry to business ownership for one deserving winner of their Frandowment competition. More information and all the requisite fine print and details can be found at their website. So hurry on over to brooklynrobotfoundry.com and you'll learn more. A quick break here, and when I return, I'll be joined by Slim Chicken's co-founder and CEO, Tom Gordon. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at zorforum.com. That's www.zorforum.com. 
Providing personal and tailored support for franchisees in a rapidly growing system, co-founder and Slim Chicken CEO Tom Gordon is the driving leader behind the brand's goal to have a 600-unit footprint by 2025, and unlike many brands that release large growth numbers, Gordon is leading the team in a manner that makes this goal more attainable with each passing day, month, and quarter. Gordon and co-founder Greg Smart concocted the idea for the fast casual chicken concept in Greg Smart's garage, focusing not on the cost of the food, but rather the quality. Focusing solely on chicken, Slim Chickens has seen accelerated growth backed by a commitment to serve traditional Southern hospitality within its communities, while offering the convenience and affordability of fast casual. By developing successful multi-unit franchisees within the system who are passionate about Slim Chickens and providing them with top-notch site selection and unparalleled franchise business support delivered by a highly qualified executive team, Gordon has been able to build the foundation for a great brand is is a leadership style that is one to be watched and learned from. Tom Gordon, welcome to Franchise Today. Uh, thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'm happy to have you here. Been really hearing a, just a whole lot of wonderful things about this brand and waiting with anticipation for one to find its way into the Atlanta metro. You can tell us more about those plans as we roll out today. But I'm really pleased to make your acquaintance. I've heard a lot of wonderful things about Slim Chickens. Well, thank you very much. I've heard your name for a long time and uh, glad to finally have a chance to talk to you. Well, the pleasure's all mine. So what we're going to do is just start as I always do and ask you to roll us back to the beginning of time when you and Slim Chickens, maybe it was something before Slim Chickens, when you and franchising actually found one another. And if that was with Slim Chickens, so be it. But you tell us, how did that all look and when? Well, there's a, a couple of different trails that led us to franchising here today. You know, my, my college education at TCU in Fort Worth was in finance and real estate. And my, my first real job was, uh, you know, an intern headed towards full employment at Merrill Lynch in Fort Worth, Texas, which, you know, after cold calling old folks for bonds for a few weeks, didn't really sit well with me. And uh, we, we moved on to the restaurant business, which as we all know, once you get into it, you rarely ever escape. But, you know, I worked in restaurants, uh, not franchise restaurants, but corporate restaurants for, for many years in the operational side of the business. And as my partner, Greg Smart, and I started ideating and working on the brand of Slim Chickens, uh, you know, we had seen franchised restaurants similar to us without the offering that I believe we have today and without the excellence that we have today. But we had seen around the country. And we didn't believe that they were doing it right. We thought we could do the whole fresh tender concept much better. And uh, with additive menu items like wings and sandwiches and salads like we do today. So those brands, some of those brands were beginning to franchise at, the, at that time. And then secondarily, once we got our first store open here in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, we had people, uh, you know, come ask us all the time, like, where is this franchise? Where did you buy this franchise of Slim Chickens? Where is this based? We said, well, it's not really franchised yet. It's based here. It's just the one that's ours. But that gave us a good idea that we had done fairly well with the first one, made it look professional, legitimate, and we were doing a good job with the guests. And people thought that was a franchisable proposition and thought, in fact, that we had bought one. So uh, that's that's kind of how it began in the very early days for me and, and for, for Slim Chicken. So what year was that again, Tom? Was that 1998? Uh, 
well, from, that was the whole arc from 1997 to 2003 when we opened up the first store. And when did the idea of moving beyond just the first store, I mean, how far did you go before that franchise idea started to marinate? You know, we, we had people contact us almost immediately. And as we went on for about a year or two, this is 2003 to 2004, we had more legitimate interest. Folks that had 10 of, you know, you name it, brand or 20 uh, were contacting us. And that gave us confidence. We realized that we, like, we really had something that we, we probably did have a franchisable proposition on our hands. So it started very early after we opened the doors of the first restaurant. And what did you do to pursue that? How did you do your due diligence on whether franchising and you would find a viable kind of a relationship? What did you know about franchising other than fast food? You know, I, I didn't know a lot. I knew that it was done. I knew that it was, you know, you look at Wendy's and McDonald's and Pizza Hut and all, all the brands that are out there. That's how, that's how they grew. As we studied it and got into the FDD, and which was back then called the Franchise offering circular ufoc in those UFOC, days UFOC, yeah the uniform yeah. franchise offering circular yes back in those days adam we're dating ourselves here <laughs> but uh you know we we invested dollars in legal we had some writers pull together some of the first drafts greg and i polished up those drafts and got them in the shape that we wanted them and well you know because we started off as one store without really any money, it seemed like a good way and it proved out to be a good way to expand the brand in kind of a less capital intensive manner because we, you know, we're kind of young guys and didn't have any capital. And that was the reason we pursued that strategy along with building some other corporate restaurants. So look, interesting that you and I have some parallels here that I wasn't aware of. I entered the chicken business in 2003 and stayed in it for four years before selling my interest in a company then known as Wing Zone, still out there now, Capriati's just acquired them. Yeah. But in 03, the chicken wing segment was really just exploding. And I think that Buffalo Wild Wings gave us a gift when they went public and they put the wind at our back because anybody that had anything to do with a chicken wing was a hot ticket. And Buffalo Wild Wings was selling out huge territories and a lot of people that were interested couldn't acquire a Buffalo Wild Wings found their way to me. They never heard of me before, but they found their way to me. And so that was fortuitous in those years for us. And wings weren't yet, I don't think, as hot as, well, they are now. And I look at the tenders segment and I look at the growth and the explosive growth and continues to get wider and broader. So there has to be cultural pieces to your business in addition to the menu itself that endear consumers to you. What are some of the glue that holds it together from the consumer's proposition, Tom? I think that from the beginning, because Greg and I worked in the restaurants, the, the level of service and friendliness was second to none because we had to be there and we had to make sure it was great. It was those moments where we were running our company, but it was one restaurant. And if it didn't work, it was bankruptcy for everybody. And so, you know, we were under the gun as pretty young guys, but knowing that we really went the extra mile in understanding how to take care of the guests in the drive-through, in the dining room and make sure they were happy. And I think that those just restaurant fundamentals, hot food, great products, great service, uh, we just insured, you know, we insured those base fundamentals. Now, what happens to layer up the proposition to make people want to come back over and over again? It's a great menu, some more diverse menu 
new offerings than competitors had around us and still don't have today. And the ability to get the products in a pretty reasonably fast manner, high quality, quick service, great products and diversity of menu that have allowed us to be successful. But you know, the, the bedrock thing is, is just great food served in a great atmosphere with friendly service. How do you transfer that to franchisees and assure that the pieces and parts of what you and Greg were providing personally in your original stores are being transferred to the franchisees and to their front lines, and especially in today's market where labor is such a nightmare? Well, that is a great question, and it's it's the one that really that really matters because we always had a level of trepidation about letting other entrepreneurs run with the brand. So we developed with our teams here a very robust training system and the level of training available for every single person in a franchisee's organization from the franchise owner himself. We can bring that person along and give them the full six weeks or we can just give them four days and make them functionally dangerous <laughs> so they at least know what they're looking at when they walk in the store. But the operators got to do the full training system. We also bring in all their managers, all their assistant managers, and put them through the entire training system as well. On top of that, we have a internal communication system that everyone sees on a weekly basis talking about what's new with the brand, new stores that are opening, promotions, and cultural items that I think are really important. And I think it's just important to feed that to allow people to stay connected and make that connection tight. It's been very important to us, and we've really worked hard to make sure it stays that way. So when you talk about others that have been in the space and haven't quite done the kinds of things that you thought were the magic, I remember reading something in preparation for our conversation about you having semi-trucks pulling into your neighborhood <laughs> and doing tastings in your garage and creating this brand's original menu, which I think from what I can see anyway is pretty diverse compared to others, as you suggested. I think you've got a chicken waffle, don't you? That's right. We got chicken and waffles. And yes, the, the story about me talking a semi into pulling into my residential neighborhood and unloading products for us to test is true. We used to have our friends come over and we'd have these test panels. Well, we call them test panels. It was really just all of us sitting around a turkey fryer cooking tenders. And, but we'd score the food. We'd score the texture of the food. We'd score the quality of the food. We'd score the products that went into the, the dipping sauces and then the dipping sauces themselves. And we, I mean, we, we spent the time, I guess, is the main point, developing the recipes, understanding the consumer proposition, and I think putting it together in a meaningful way before we opened the first restaurant. It took a year of preparation, and that may not have been enough, but a year of preparation to make sure that we at least had a fighting chance of pleasing the majority of guests that walked in the door. I think we did that. And I think that that's a key to the, been a key to the success all along. So as again, somebody who's not had the luxury of experiencing the brand yet, if I were trying to just position it in my mind's eye, you know, I think of brands like Churches and Popeyes and I cluster those two together or KFC or um, Zaxby's. Where do I fit you on that chart to get a sense of the differences between your brand and its culture than those others? Well, you know, as a biased respondent to that question, I, if, if you're talking about similar menu sets, you know, you've got Zaxby's selling some of the similar things that we do. You've got Kane that sells tenders. We sell tenders too. But that was the whole point of us starting the organization was we thought we could be better. We thought we could be different. And, and I believe we are. We talk about the blues music in the restaurants. We talk about how we participate in our communities and how we make sure that music and sports and things that our guests love are a part of what we do every day. 
Uh, we talk about philanthropy in, in, the, in the business. We do a lot of work with children's hospitals and the, uh, the Miracle Network or the, and the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the Children's Miracle Network. And, uh, you know, that accounts. You know, we talk there's more to life than chicken and fries. And to the degree that we can utilize our success and whatever platform we have to make sure that our communities that we serve continue to improve and be great places for people to live and work and raise families, and we're here to do that. Come back to the blues. You play the blues in your restaurants? Oh, sure. Yeah, we, we play we play all kinds of great blues-themed music in the restaurants. We, we, we want, as you walk into a restaurant, to enjoy the dining room, and we want, want to shake the guests away from their normal state of mind. If they're walking in stressed from work or stressed from a whole day of work in the evening, and, uh, you know, we want to, oh, there's some music. It's something I hadn't heard. I want to sit down. Oh, there's a nice, organized, clean dining room. I'm going to sit down and let whatever stress, you know, maybe not wash away entirely, but have a little break from that and enjoy the space, enjoy the service, enjoy the food, uh, get a great meal at a great price, and then go back to whatever they had going on. But we want to we want to be that respite for those that want it. And what about pre-COVID, post-COVID? Do you guys have a drive-through or curbside service? We have a drive-through in ninety-five percent of our restaurants. We have we have some non-drive-through stores on college campuses and on military bases, and a couple others. But in the U.S., in any case, the vast majority have drive-throughs and always have. We've we've always been a drive-through concept. Now with COVID, that really changed the game. Drive-through became the thing. And then slowly after a few months, you know, pickup and curbside delivery and third party started picking up. But we we went through that entire cycle. I had some scary times in early 2020, but luckily having the drive-thrus, people wanted it and they came out to us. We had some great years. And now we're living with sort of the post-COVID supply chain hangover that everybody's wrestling with. But the drive-thrus were a key component to our success through those COVID years, but they've been a key component to us forever. What about apps or online ordering and frictionless that became my big word this past year was frictionless pivot the year before, but then everybody was talking about the need for frictionless transactions. Well, it's funny. We, we talk about a frictionless guest experience all the time and have for years, but two years before COVID, so 2018, we decided serendipitously to invest in a pretty robust online and app-based ordering platform, You know, not knowing, of course, that COVID was on the way. But we felt like that it was going to be table stakes for the industry. And so we invested a lot of dollars, which had me a bit worried back then. It's just a big investment. But we knew we had to do it. We knew that everybody was going that direction. Starbucks was ahead of the whole game. We saw what they were doing. We wanted to be relevant to the entire spectrum of consumers. And I still think that today, like every restaurant brand that intends to have a lot of units needs that technology component, needs the app, needs the online availability. Now, sure, a really nice white tablecloth restaurant that's a couple hundred bucks with cocktails and wine could probably get away without it. But I think most of the rest of us, we are in the world now where digital technology and order capacity via cell phone or online is table stakes for business and you got to have it. So to kind of come full circle there, as you prepare, Ring One prepares for that piece of the business, I think you just got to be ready to invest in it and, and make it work. Couldn't agree with you more. Tell you what let's do, Tom. Let's grab a quick break right here. And on the other side of that break, I'd like to talk more about the franchise itself and the opportunities that you're offering. Wonderful. We're talking today with Tom Gordon, co-founder and CEO of Slim Chickens. And we'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. 
Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with more than 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with more than 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you Instead of watching the clock and their wait times, chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. And my conversation today continues with Tom Gordon, co-founder and CEO of Slim Chickens. So, Tom, I heard a number thrown around that was a goal number, a reach number of 600 locations by 2025. How are you tracking on that? We are tracking there. I think that we're a few stores behind. I mean, COVID slowed us down a bit, as you might imagine, but our pipeline's strong. It's robust. We like where we're headed. Tell us some about your offerings. Are you doing multi-unit? Are you doing single unit? What's that profile? I think that for us, our minimum deal is three. We really have become very serious about market synergy and media efficiency and freight efficiency. And if you can do three in a new market, you really got a great chance of success. We do bigger deals than that. There's lots of sixes and eights and tens around the country. And, and look, you know, there's a lot of developers that are looking for territory now that we're having to find different spots for them to go as the U.S. starts to fill up. But there's lots of white space left and we're, we're excited about the pipeline as it stands today. Just doing a cursory glance around your locations on your website, it looked to me like you focus on suburban or secondary markets. Is that correct? I think it's right. You know, I, we'll always have the option to go into the, the top tier markets. But as I said, with media efficiency being really an important piece of the puzzle, those top top 10 U.S. markets are expensive media-wise. You really got to have a good plan, a good franchisee or group of franchisees that are ready to work in lockstep to kind of dive into that market and make sure it works right. Because look, they're competitive, they're challenging. Real estate's expensive, media's expensive, people are expensive. And we want to ensure the best opportunity for success for our franchisees. So we work well with them and really give them our perspective on where success 
is most likely. And, you know, we do the balance to potential work in their market that they request, and, and we let them know what we think. And I think that's been a good strategy so far. Are you working with multiple franchise owners that have investments in other brands that are non-competing, or are you shying away from that? No, almost every franchisee we have has another non-competing brand in their portfolio. Our, our typical franchisee has 20 or 30 or 50 of, of something else. And they typically need uh, a place to deploy capital. They've run out of geography with their current brand and don't want to hopscotch over states or find faraway stuff that's hard to manage. Or some of them have exited one brand or a couple of brands, but still have retained uh, a brand or two and also retained their infrastructure. So that's the typical profile. We like that. You know, we're, we don't want to teach somebody the restaurant business. We want to we want to deploy a quality brand into their territory and give them the opportunity to really do well with it. And what kind of position do you take in FranDev? Do you work with FSOs or do you work with brokers? All of our marketing is initiated internally. We we don't use brokers in the U.S. We have a wonderful VP of franchise sales, Jackie Lobdell, who's great. And she directs our marketing and also manages our PR firm that talks about you know all of our, our efforts around franchising. But we do it all in-house. And we believe that we have the offering that attracts quality franchisees and, and the team here that, that can deliver on the franchise proposition, which comes down to making quality income for the franchisees. So when you said COVID set you back a little bit, how many are open and operating right now? Uh, we've got a hundred and. We've done 170 openings, and just for clarity's sake, we have 23 of those in the United Kingdom. And then what about NQ, sold but not yet opened? I think the pipeline uh, is around 900. Well, you are well on your way. We're on the way. You know, it's, it's a lot great. of work, and, and we got to keep the train on the tracks moving down, but we've been very fortunate. But, I, you know, as I mentioned, we've, we've got the right we've got the right mix of support, training, franchisees, customer proposition, and great food to, to be successful anywhere. And you just mentioned the UK, any place else across the pond or is that it so far? So far, just the UK. We've got a great partner over there. They are going very fast. They're going to open a lot of restaurants for us over the next 10 years. And we couldn't be more pleased with that partnership. They've been great partners and really it's been a lot of fun to work with. What's your philosophy on international partnerships? How do you work your businesses with those international partners? Are they sourcing and doing distribution and everything on their own there? It kind of depends on the country. You know, the, you can import or I'm sorry, export from the U.S. to a lot of places, but Europe typically you can't. You know, you got you to gotta work and figure out your supply chain all from an internal basis across the majority of Europe. What we want to make sure we do is deliver the same level of quality product and the same diversity of menu that has allowed us to be successful here. And sure, there are a few tweaks as you go international in all, in all countries, but uh, we, we've done it. The international business has been, has been really good for us so far, and we're just focused on the UK, supporting those guys and making sure they get what they need out of us because they have, they have great aspirations over there. How's the competitive set in your space over in the UK? How popular have tenders, fried tenders become? Are they comparable to wings or is it a little behind wings? Or how does that look? I think it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a bit behind. I mean, there's, look, there's plenty of, of chicken competitors over there. Uh, a, a lot of them are local. Uh, the ones from the U.S. include KFC and a, and a few other ones, but KFC's got a big footprint there. But poultry is a worldwide product. You know, there's no religious or socioeconomic mm-hmm. objection to chicken anywhere. So it is utilized uh, all across the U.K. and all across Europe. But that's where our very specific mini mix product set 
and level of quality, I think, gives us the advantage, and, and, and we're happy to be over there. Well, a couple of years ago, it wouldn't have been a tough question to ask somebody in a position like yours to take a look out three to five years and forecast, what do you see on the horizon? But in today's political climate and our post-COVID world, I don't know that three to five years is a fair or reasonable <laughs> expectation, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Tom, what do you see out there over those mountaintops? In terms of Slim Chickens or the, or the industry in general? Well, a little bit of both. Okay. I, in terms of Slim Chickens, I, you know, I, there are always challenges. And I, I tell my team all the time that we have a long way to go and there will be crises aplenty that pop up. It's our industry. It's how it works. But that said, our position is great. Our team is excellent. Our leadership, I think, the, the team that, that we have in place to lead the organization is fantastic. And we care about our franchisees, which is the most important thing. They know that we care about their business. We care about their bottom line. We care about their people. And our role is to support the franchisees. In terms of the industry, I think what you're going to see is continued development of experiential concepts. I think that people want more exotic and more experiential concepts in a localized or smaller fashion and footprint. I think that you're going to see more kind of international flavors come into franchising in the QSR space over the next few years and more diverse and interesting dining options and interiors and experiences inside the restaurants. I'm not one that subscribes to dining rooms are going away. I, that's just That's just not the case. I think that the experience inside and outside the restaurant will continue to evolve. And those who can execute at a high level, creating a really great experience and that additional layer of intriguing, spicy profiles, international profiles, just really diverse food type profiles, I think are going to be winners in the future. Awesome. Tom, what have I not asked you that you wish I did? Oh, my, that's a good question. You know, often people ask me, you know, are you worried about the labor and the shortage of labor? And I, I tell them that I was. It, it seemed tough for some months ago. The this, this summers felt pretty good. I think that we have a good place to work. I think we have a, a great way to take care of and reward our, our team members in the restaurants. I also like to tell people that we're still looking for great franchisees. We need awesome people all around the United States to, to fill in some of the spots. And we want to be that franchise or that people love, not the franchise or that people hate, which happens a lot in our industry. Franchisors get too big for their britches and start doing things not in the interest of the franchisees. And as long as I'm in this seat, that's not going to happen. So we need great people with us all the way down the road. Well, what a great segue to the next question. How about some contact information for those who want to learn more? Yeah, sure. The website is slimchickens.com. And there's a link to our franchise page as well. We are happy to have you take a look. Please get in contact with us. Jackie or someone on her team will respond to you. And we, we always look forward to, to making new acquaintances and, and trying to find new franchisees. Awesome. Well, Tom, I appreciate you carving out some time today to share a little more information with us about Slim Chickens. I will wait with anticipation for one to find its way to Cobb County or Fulton County, Georgia. And hopefully Jackie's on her way to fulfilling that dream for me and we'll be able to talk again after I've had a taste. That'd be great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Tom. Tom Gordon, CEO and co-founder of Slim Chickens. Well, there it is. That's a wrap for today. Next week, I'm back to do it all again when we are joined by the leader of the largest veteran franchise system in the nation. That's right, Jerry Flanagan.
co-founder and CEO of J-Dog Brands, joins us right here next week on Franchise Today. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.